0: what's going on everybody it's that time again it's the sooner's illustrated podcast episode 57 on this thursday february the 8th 2024 josh calloway colin kennedy with you on a thursday national signing day yesterday it doesn't have the hoopla because of the december one but we'll read yeah, just a little <laughs> bit just a, yeah just a, I, I should say on my end on my end maybe for you got for uh for ck and uh, some of our great recruiting experts but well, we're going to recap it. We're going to look at some of the biggest names, underrated gets, all that. We're going to do some superlatives for the 2024 signing class for Oklahoma. We're going to hit some other recruiting news. The commit they picked up earlier this week. want to get CK's breakdown of that, of course, Ryan Foji And we'll wrap it up with a little bit of basketball talk after a sorely, sorely needed home win for Porter Moser and that squad on Tuesday night at the LNC. But Colin, like I kind of said, signed day yesterday, Nobody knew signed. I guess that's really what I kind of was getting at for Oklahoma. The yeah. entire class signed back in December, which we talked about then. We kind of surmised the class. Nothing crazy happened for Oklahoma in between now and then. So as we wrap up this, this 2024 class, we thought, what's a different way we can kind of, you know, attack it, bring it up, talk about it on the show. We decided let's do some superlatives. We're going to do MVP, under the radar get, underrated player, guy we're most excited about, day one ready. We have a few, you know, a few other ones that we're going to run through here. Colin of have some different answers, and it'll be a little bit of a fun way to kind of go through the class and uh, talk about some names that we want to talk about.
1: So, yeah, I think – the way, did you have something? No, I was just going to say, I think it's a really fun way to contextualize yeah. the twenty twenty four class with what we kind of now know, given that not only are all 27 guys enrolled uh, and signed, but a lot of them are already sure. on campus. So, we're kind of doing these superlatives with – a little bit of intel, too, right? So, yeah, I'm excited for this. And, and like you mentioned, I, I it didn't even feel like signing day was a thing yesterday. I woke up 7 a.m. compared to either a sleepless night or maybe the 3.30, 4 a.m. <laughs> alarm. And I, it's kind of like one of those things where, all right, how do we even talk about this? But I think this is going to be kind of a fun way to put a, a bow on the cycle.
0: Yeah, a little different than uh, Daniel Akin Kunmi signing at, what was it, like 4 a.m. or something? Yep uh back back in December um so yeah pretty um hectic list stress-free for Oklahoma yesterday like I said because you got your whole class in in December so let's recap it a little bit so names that we wanted to get onto the show the first one is class MVP this is the one that I think we'll talk about the least um because it's very obviously David Stone um Colin and I both have different names we're going to bring up for each one of these but for this one we were like why why even do that why bother um david stone's very clearly and obviously the class mvp five-star defensive lineman culture setter all that all the stuff that everybody already knows he's a guy coming in ready to make a huge impact both what he's gonna do on the field as well as off it he's clearly a guy that other guys gravitate around class mvp pretty easily right i mean colin you want to throw in anything real quick i mean he he, this is a very this is a no-brainer
1: that's He's also wearing number zero, which is hard. Uh, It's crazy good. I yeah, I mean, look, really good. He's positional need, like you mentioned, vocal leader. He also was like the lead recruiter for Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I just everything about David Stone screams class MVP, and we'd get screamed at if we didn't make him the MVP. So next.
0: Number two, biggest get. This is subjective. Obviously, a lot of directors, you can take it. I'll let you start. Biggest get of this 2024 class.
1: Yeah, so again, we wanted to make sure we were throwing out different names for these. And part of this for my selection is accounting for the fact that David Stone is class MVP. Because biggest get, sure, it's David Stone, right? He was on the radar for Oklahoma since he was in like eighth grade. He was a five-star defensive tackle, all, all that stuff that we just talked about. But David Stone is off the table, so now he cannot be picked. He's drafted, yeah. Yeah, so who is the biggest get if David Stone is not on the table for selection? And to me, that's Jaden Jackson, Josh. I, I, just, I think that when you contextualize the recruitment first, he didn't even want to take his visit. I mean, the guy literally was not going to even try to look at Norman. He didn't take an unofficial. His official visit, he didn't want to go. And he arrives on campus as, like, I'll give the fifth school in my top five a little bit of grace. And he said within the first 10 minutes, he wanted to commit to Oklahoma. Yeah. And to flip that recruitment on its heels completely like I still remember we were at Big 12 media days together and I got a call saying look I don't know how this is possible but Jaden Jackson is basically not taking anyone's phone calls right now and for that to be the case when heavy hitters were involved like Ohio State Uh Texas Miami and at one point or another I would probably say all three of those schools felt like they had a lead not only was this recruitment just wild to follow and to, to beat out all these other programs that you were trailing by a pretty substantial amount, but then, Josh, we kind of get into some of the same reasons that David Stone was a big get. I mean, Jaden Jackson is an interior defensive lineman, a guy who shot from three-star ranking all the way up to, I believe he's in the top 150 to 170 now. I I know that he had long been a player everyone felt like had been underrated, and now he's gotten his due, and he's he's proven that time and again. You get a positional need. He's a premium position player with a ton of talent. I think what he can actually accomplish on the field from a skill set perspective is ideal, considering the fact, again, this is the class that's taking you into the SEC. OU has long tried to fix up the defensive line, especially the interior. Getting someone like Jaden Jackson, who seemed like an impossibility, is why I have him as my biggest get. But your thoughts on that, and then go ahead and hit me with yours
0: as well. Yeah, no, hard to argue with, and I think we've talked about it a few times. Um, That combination of of Stone and Jackson, their, their camaraderie, their friendship, play together in high school, they... It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And that whole defensive line group, that power line that we've talked about a bunch of times, he's kind of the one that, I don't want to say he's overlooked, but with Stone and Nigel Smith and some other guys we may talk about a little later, there's so many names that it's almost like, don't forget this guy. Please don't forget this guy because he's a game wrecker, and it's going to be fun to watch. And and to
1: just add more to this, he is just one of the biggest gets because – of everything that we just talked about, and then the moment he gets on campus for the mid-year enrollee stuff in bowl practices, mm-hmm. everyone's freaking out like, this guy is so damn good. I it Just time and again, he shows he's one of the biggest gets for Oklahoma in this class.
0: He's a monster. He's a monstrous human, and uh look forward to watching him, seeing him in pads here coming up in the spring. Before too long, another guy who's a monstrous human is my pick, Devon Mitchell. Um, yeah, just scratches an itch. You know, Oklahoma, the tight end room, like we talked about during the season, left a lot to be desired. And that was a position that was so good for home for so long. Going back, I mean, going back, obviously i saw going to Keith Jackson or something, but just even in the more modern era, Jermaine Gresham, Mark Andrews, what Grant Calcaterra was, what Braden Willis ended up being, you know, a couple of years ago. DeJuan Mitchell, I love this guy. He feels mm-hmm. like the next great Oklahoma tight end. Feels like an NFL tight end for sure reclassified up a year because it was just – he was ready. He was ready to do that. Um, obviously, from the Dallas area originally, went and played high school football out in California. So you have two major high school football states and recruiting bases for every blue blood that there is. He had offers from everywhere. He could have went anywhere he wanted pretty much. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma got him. And it, it just feels like it's impossible that he won't be a huge part of the offense in the team before too long. Uh, maybe even as soon as this year. Who knows? You know, I mean, he's reclassified up a year. But we've talked about that tight end room's a little thin. He brought in a couple transfers. Would it shock anybody if Devon Mitchell's out there catching passes, you know, right away from Jackson Arnold next year? Not really. So for those reasons, he, he's my pick for biggest gig. Because I just talk about going and getting an NFL player. You know that this is this is the guy. You just look at him, just look at him walk around. Doesn't even need to watch him play. Just he's he's on visits and whatnot at, at games, talking to Brent Venables and you know pregame warmups. It's just like holy moly, that kid does not like he's in high school, and it's just going to be really. I can't wait to watch him play, and um, I'm very excited about him. And I think for for me, he's he's the biggest kid.
1: Yeah, yeah I still remember when we were out there at one of OU summer camps. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm watching receivers go through one on ones. And someone taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and it's you looking like you just saw a ghost. And you're <laughs> like, is that Devon Mitchell over there? Yeah. And I look and sure enough, a guy that's almost bigger than every single coach on OU staff is roaming around with an OU t-shirt that he's filling out. Sure enough, Devon Mitchell. And since that day, Josh has been van crushing hard for every reason as well. I mean, not on top of being between Texas and California, You mentioned the reclassification. That can create a sense of urgency Mm -hmm. as well. Oh, this junior in high school is now in the senior class. We got to make sure that we're in this recruitment because if he's reclassifying, that might mean he's closer to a decision. And it came close between Miami and Oklahoma, if you'll remember. Alabama was hovering as well. But that final week, basically OU solidified things. And, And as you mentioned, biggest get, Typically, you think of someone who addresses a positional need. We don't need to talk about OU's tight end room. But we, we might get to talk about Devon Mitchell next year, even though he's technically a high school junior. And I think, again, that checks a lot of boxes for someone who's a massive get for this program. 100%. Next one, day one ready.
0: This is one that fans are always very interested in. Guy yeah. who can contribute right away. Um, there's a few options here. We talked about a couple already, David Stone, Devon, Mitchell. But elsewhere, those guys have been drafted. Elsewhere, yeah. day one ready, guys you think could come in right away this spring, next fall, and could make an impact on this team in 2024, though they were just
1: signed. Yeah, again, we can't pick players that have already been named, which is wildly frustrating as we continue to go through this yes. list. But it didn't really affect my choice here, because I'm going with the obvious Taylor Tatum. The Number one ranked running back in America, mm-hmm. arrives at Oklahoma as a true three down back with tremendous burst. I, I think he sees the field well. I think he, he has a great feel for the game and he can be utilized in a number of different ways. And that's important. I mean, you want a player, and, and this is why Taylor finished as the number one ranked running back. And I should mention, He was named the number one running back and held on to that title throughout the entire cycle. And that's hard to do, folks. That's really hard to do. But people talk about rankings, Josh. Our guy, Gabe Brooks, who's a good friend of ours, here in the Denton area, he's from East Texas. And Gabe, I give this guy a ton of credit, folks. And I think it's another reason why I say Taylor Tatum is day one ready. Taylor Tatum was named by Gabe Brooks as a top 100 player in this class his freshman year by us at 24/7 Sports, and he has still never played a down of varsity football. (laughs) And so, if you think about that logic for a second, like really think, how the hell does a guy get into the top 100 and he didn't play a down? Because everyone knew he was going to be ready, and I think everyone knows he's ready. And this is the other part of this too when i when I look at day one ready. I stay away from the lines of scrimmage typically because when you're an evaluator, you got to anticipate those big guys where their positions focus on strength, leverage, the body type. It's it's a little bit more of an adjustment period. Skill guys can get in there faster. And Uh I think Taylor Tatum not only can do it at a high level because he's the number one running back and those skills translate, Josh, but... You also look at OU's running back room. If we're talking day one ready, like Gavin Sawchuck's the guy, but Javante Barnes has a lot to prove. Caleb Hicks has a lot to prove. And Taylor Tatum's going to be right on their heels, man. I, I I think for several reasons, this guy could step right into Oklahoma's running back room and play.
0: Yeah, really excited about Taylor Tatum. Um, both, obviously, the football player and, and selfishly the baseball player as well um, for, the, for the two-way aspect of it. Him and James Nesta both. Um, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, guys who are trying to, you know, pull off both and guys who seem to have a pure love of both and are obviously very talented at both. So, yeah, not going to get an argument for me on, on that one. And it, like we kind of talked about, that running back room is kind of in, in an interesting place. And if he's what we all think he is, which is the top running back in the class, why couldn't he get in there right away and have an impact next year? Um, mine, I'm going to go with you know, kind of fitting a, kind of going almost back to the Devon Mitchell conversation in terms of just fitting a need with Eugene Brooks. So Eugene <laughs> Brooks, most I think most if you're a die if you're really into it, you know who he is. But I think he's kind of almost not being talked about enough in this class. Four star guy in in our 2024 four star offensive lineman. He's the number three offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman in the class in our rankings. The top 100 player, top 10 player in California It's a really, really talented kid. And he's listed at, we have him at 6'4", 320. That's pre schmitty. 6'4", 320. That's Amazing. a big old boy. Um, coming in, talking about, you know, the guard spots are really the biggest question mark on this offensive line. Maybe the whole offense, maybe the whole team for Oklahoma yeah. moving into next year. you got a kid like this. I mean, I'm not going to say he's, I'm not going to. Proclaim he's going to start in week one, but he he may, he may be in the mix, you know, right away. This is a you know Tom Green has been banging this drum a little bit. The you know this has been a name that he's really liked. I'm kind of stealing it because it, it it's true. I mean, you look at his size, his frame, what he did in high school. Get Schmidt a whole of them, if his technique and things like that can catch up to the the size and the strength, which is already kind of there for a freshman. Mm-hmm. He, he might be able to slide in and be you know in the conversation right away next year. And again, part of that is because, which has been heavily discussed on almost every show, it finds its way to come up. The offensive line is having so much turnover, but they went out and got some transfer pickups to try and fill fill those needs and those voids at the guard spots. But this is another option for you. And I think of, of the offensive linemen signing his class, and there's several, and a lot of them are, you know, guys who are project to be pretty solid players and obviously Oklahoma is excited about. I think Brooks is maybe the one that jumps out to me as far as, could be ready the fastest.
1: And so that's why I go with him for day one ready. Shed 60-plus pounds, more than 60 pounds of body weight, was a three-star player, was a guard, had some decent offers, but completely reworked his body, moved to tackle, and went from, I think, a low to mid three-star to he's the number 73 player nationally and a top three interior offensive lineman in America. Right. And he proved it. And that goes into day one ready, right? What are you doing best on best? And at the Under Armour Showcase Week, he whooped everybody. I mean, he he was probably the best offensive lineman in attendance. And like you mentioned, the turnover at that spot, especially a guard, they've got some guys that they like. But we've also seen Oklahoma at times – have to ro- rotate guys mm-hmm. in the five, and Eugene Brooks to me, there is no question or argument in a class of offensive linemen that features five guys coming in. Eugene Brooks is the most day one ready of that group. There, there is no debate, and for that reason, I totally understand why you're making the pick. All, all of that stuff considered into what Eugene Brooks can be in Norman right away.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Next one, underrated. So this is a guy who maybe, you know, this is one that the David Stones of the world would not qualify for. Devon Mitchell wouldn't qualify for this either, certainly. Guy who's maybe a little um, not under the radar. We'll get into that in a a little bit. But underrated in terms of maybe just not the high four-star or five-star guy that you think is going to maybe outplay where he's rated or ranked uh, by the time his career at Oklahoma is said and done.
1: Yeah, so uh, the key distinction here to me, We're going to talk under the radar, but under the radar versus underrated, Josh, if you agree with me, is if we're talking an underrated player, it has to do with the rankings or the ratings because everyone wants to know who's going to outplay their ranking, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Under the radar, which is going to be our last accolade, is more of just a guy that we think isn't getting his due or not. Sure, right, right. Michael Boganowski gets talked about a lot but I feel like he is an underrated player because I I, honestly, Josh, I'm looking at this. We were trying to build out this exercise last night to prepare for the show. And I looked at a lot of these players rankings within OU's 2024 class. And I was like, honestly, I think our rankings team does a hell of a job because a lot of these guys I'm going through it. And it makes sense when you understand the context of the rankings. A lot of these ratings assigned to to OU's recruits, they they make sense to me. But I think the one guy that really continues to jump out to me in terms of who could elevate is Michael Boganowski for a few reasons. When you're evaluating a player, you're looking for a lot of different things. Frame, the film, but also multi-sport background, multi-positional ability, things of that nature, character, all this stuff. Michael Boganowski has the frame of a linebacker, is going to play safety. He could drop down to Cheetah if he needs to. I think he's going to be at a play weight of 6'2", 220, 225 maybe when it's all said and done. And he can play up at the top of the defense. But on top of that, man, he's playing wide receiver, quarterback, wild yeah. Game. Back. He's doing everything in high school. And he's just he has long been praised as someone off the field who is just an awesome guy. Like he fits what Brent Venables looks for. And mm-hmm. you can see a concerted effort, Josh. And this is why I kind of looked at him for the underrated tab. You can see a concerted effort by the staff to address the Isaiah Simmons role within this defense. Yeah. Right. Brent coached Isaiah Simmons at Clemson. He was a gigantic athlete who could play safety, whether at strong or free. He could play nickel. He could play linebacker. He could rush off the edge. And I think someone who can do that can outplay a ranking. And that's why I think Michael Boganowski, he has the highest rated three-star grade of an 89, which basically means he's projected to be a high day three pick. In the NFL draft, so like a fourth to seventh rounder. But if there's someone in that commit list who could climb his way into round three, I think what the NFL places emphasis on with today's game, versatile safety linebacker hybrid types are incredibly important to have. I mean, Dallas has like three or four of them just down the street from me. And Michael Boganowski can do all of that, and that's why I think he's kind of the underrated guy of this class. 100%. I'm going to go local with Xavier
0: Robinson, um, three-star running back. Robinson is is composite rated the number 697 player in the class. Um, That's this composite metric, number 48 running back from us. Um, He's a three-star kid, 88 rate uh, score. I've had the pleasure of meeting him a couple times. He's a great kid. I had the pleasure of watching him several times. He's a monster. He's an absolute monster. He's a behemoth. Um, as a running back, 6'2", 220 is what we have him at. He reminds me, and again, I'm not, I, I've said this a couple times. I want to stress. I'm not saying he is this guy because that's an outrageous bar. But he reminds me so much of Derrick Henry, the way he runs. And that's what he is at the high school level. He just runs over people. And he has <laughs> sneaky speed. He can run away from people, too. He doesn't always need to in high school because he can just run through people, like I said. But he's got speed. Um, I watched him at a game earlier this year hurdle a guy. I mean, he is a freak athlete, and he's a monstrous human. Um, I just feel like, you know, with, with with Taylor Tatum we talked about already and the guys they have in place, there's just not a whole lot of – I mean, people in Oklahoma are excited about him and know Xavier Robinson. Look at his high school stats, by the way. They're hilarious. Um, <laughs> some career numbers that are just silly, uh, video game stuff. This kid has got a lot of ability, and you know, I don't know how it's going to translate, but I just feel like if there's anybody who could be that, how the heck was he rated this low, it feels like he, he fits in that category as, as good as anyone. And, you know, you got the Oklahoma connection. He's got all his quarterback teammates coming with him that we talked about a bunch of times, not in this class, but in the next one, that 2025 group. And it just feels like I could see a path through Xavier Robinson in a year or two is a big part of the offense, even if it's just – pounding at the goal line. Like, he is yeah. a monster, and I'm really excited to watch him play. And, I, you know, I've had the pleasure a couple of times in high school, and like I said, it's been – I don't know if there's has any, been anybody more fun to watch for me in high school because of what he can do out there, but watching that translate to the next level is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So, Xavier Robinson, my pick for underrated. Um, like I said, number 697 overall player in the composite, mm-hmm. which, uh, I mean, that – I feel like he's going to outplay that,
1: but we'll see. The composite is a a generated algorithm based on all four recruiting publications, folks. So basically, 24-7 might have him ranked a certain way, but other folks may have him ranked differently, and that could drop him down. This is all I'll say on Xavier Robinson. The mantra you say in the scouting world is good players don't go down. Xavier Robinson does not go down. Yeah, and he's gonna be a really darn good football player because of it. So,
0: he's a big man who is very nimble uh, on his feet. Athlete, it's gonna be fun to watch. Number five, most excited. Now, this one's probably the most subjective one of all of them. This is really up up to you. Um, this is tough. Which one just jumps out? Is I just really can't wait to see this guy. He doesn't fit in the other ones necessarily, but I just I, I want to see him play. All right, so a
1: little bit of background here. I I really had a debate because the guy that I'm gonna put for under the radar coming up next is probably my most excited. But then there were other guys like Devon Mitchell was a guy I was going to pick for most excited, but you took him in front of me. Mm-hmm. So now I'm in, a, I'm in a world of hurt, right? And you are, you're picking a guy for this as well who I also was going to pick. <laughs> so I'm looking at the board. I'm going through the commit list last night, and I'm like, man, who do I take? Because, like, so many of these players that I wanted to pick here – have been taken, but one name really jumped out to me, and I think a lot of Oklahoma fans will join me in the sentiment. I am wildly excited to see what Daniel akin does in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, that dude went on one visit. His his first college football game in America was in Norman, Oklahoma, and he said, I'm done. I want to play here. I want to play for Bill Bedenbill. I want to play at Oklahoma. And I want to be the next great offensive lineman that comes out of the program. And since then, he has been grinding tirelessly to meet the expectation level already set for him. But he's been doing this for years now. I mean, folks might remember I wrote a story on his journey. And the guy would bring a portable microwave with him on all the train rides he would take. Because that was the only time he would have to eat food. And he's incredibly raw. But when you look at a guy who's 6'5, 300 plus pounds, has great feet, clearly has the natural athletic ability. And while he may not be polished, I like guys who care. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like guys who give a damn about what they're doing. And those are the people I like to be around. Those are the kind of people you want in a college football program. And those are the kind of folks that Brent Venables is trying to bring in. We've already heard and we've noted it on Sooners Illustrated to our VIP subscribers. The immediate reviews on Daniel were that he was like the most coachable player they had ever seen. He is is always trying to accept some level of coaching in order to get better. And it doesn't matter what that is. It could be something as simple as how to move his feet all the way up to... The intricacies of playing the offensive line and offensive tackle spot at the D1 college football level. And no matter what it is, he has time and again showed that while he has a lot to prove in America as an overseas player, he, he's willing to accept the challenge and try and meet it head on. And that's why I'm just, I'm really excited to see what this project, if you will, yeah. turns into. Cause he's got, he's got every element to become an incredibly successful human being and football player coming from England, of all places.
0: Yeah, it feels like he could have fit into the underrated also. A hundred percent. Because, yeah, like you said, he's coming from overseas. <laughs> That's a hard eval for you guys. Um, but, yeah, this, he's got the size, certainly seems to have the right attitude. He's attacked everything the right way. He is a really exciting player, so I don't disagree with you at all. And he, what a fun story it'll be if he turns into, you know, the player that we think he could be. I mean, that what a journey for him, and the backstory yeah. is already awesome. And so he's got he's got the vlog. He took over the vlog mantle. Uh, some other guys have have carried that torch. He he has uh, provided that great YouTube channel. Go check that yeah. out. But he, uh, yeah, that's a great pick and and one that I, I agree with. I'll go low-hanging fruit, but I'm going to go with Danny Okoye uh, for my most <laughs> excited. You know, I went to his commitment back, I think it was in May. It was in the spring sometime. Um, you know, and I never met him before. Uh, I had seen some highlights. But, you know, you heard about him. This kid plays for a homeschool team up in Tulsa. NOAA, which is a homeschool program. And you're just kind of wondering. You know, you've seen some highlights of him just dominating, but it's like, you know, what do you do with it? He's playing, you know, a homeschool league things like that. It, it's hard to hard just to know. And you know, I went in there not totally knowing what to expect. When he walked in, it was like holy moly! That that's a that's a that's a D one full play. That's an OU football. That's an SEC defensive end. Um, and the personality to match, electric, just electricity. Um, we talked about the time the hat spin when he put it on. The post, you know, commitment interview afterward was awesome. One of the best ones that I've. I've ever gotten to do, you know, he was great. The personality, the play style, he's a fun follow on social media. He's like everything you want in a player from a fan's perspective. Um, He's a lot like Danny Stutzman in that regard, just different position. But in terms of the way he's going to play hundred percent max effort, have fun doing it, be a leader. Like he, he's going to perfectly fit into that role after Stutzman goes, in my opinion, like he, him and David Stone both, but, Every all of it, the personality, the play style, just to kind of all of it together is just I can't wait to watch that guy and cover him and talk to him more often than just you know once at his commitment. Talk to him regularly as a player, do you? Because he is he checks so many boxes. So for me, he is yeah he he's my most excited. Um, what a player! What a personality! Really,
1: really excited to watch him play. I've long compared him to just an alien, like a total unknown. But you see it, and it's like this is not of this planet, and. If it all translates, he, the, the sky is the limit. And I can make you an argument, you know, we're talking about most excited. I can make you the argument that both of these guys also fall under the umbrella of highest ceiling because mm-hmm. offensive tackle, defensive end, premium positions. Both are incredible from a frame perspective, athletic ability perspective, and even just the leadership and character standpoints. Danny Okoye and Daniel Akinkunmi check both boxes. All these all these players in this class are are really talented and, and great guys. But these two, to me, like you mentioned, just so much that they can do and so much that they are off the field could combine into something really special. And Danny Okoye, I mean, get just otherworldly when you look at the yeah. body. And then just from he's putting 600-plus pounds on a straight bar to – casually hurdling his own teammates while they're standing up in practice a tremendous get for Oklahoma and really excited to see him too because this is another guy who felt like an impossibility and now he's one of the biggest members of this Oklahoma class that power line uh, kind of the centerpiece
0: of this whole thing the Sooners Illustrated podcast we'll be back after this short break All right, last one under the radar. Like we said, different than underrated, not necessarily his rating isn't high. You can go high or low, but it's a guy who's maybe not being talked about enough uh, among fans, among us in the media, whatever, whatever
1: your reasoning is, under the radar guy in this class. I think everyone who has followed my work knows where I'm going to go with this, but it's got to be Reggie Powers. He committed to Oklahoma in the middle of a road loss to Kansas. Yep, I remember. It, it literally went under the radar. <laughs> and it's, it's the funny part of this, too, man. His recruitment didn't even grab the spotlight or the headlines. You know, he decommitted for Michigan State, and it didn't take long, man. If I remember correctly, it took maybe two or three weeks tops, maybe less than that. For him to decommit from Michigan State, Oklahoma made the call. He got on campus. It was going to be an official visit. But if folks will remember, he was like, you know what? Let me just take it unofficial. Like, I don't need the glitz and glam. He takes a random unofficial trip, I believe, to like the West Virginia game or something, mm-hmm. and turns right around and commits. And it was done. Like, no drama. No discussion in any, like, major recruiting show or whatever that we do here 24-7. But, Josh, he's the highest-ranked defensive back commit for Oklahoma. And I made this note on the site the other day. In any other cycle, any other cycle, the highest-ranked DB at a place like OU is going to get talked about every other minute of every day. Like, it it, it just is hilarious to me that he is at a premium position, highly ranked player, four-star kid, finishes in the top 170, and the whole time just from his decommitment to Michigan State through his entire commitment to Oklahoma, it rarely ever got talked about. But he arrived on campus, has been killing it in winter workouts. I've heard that he actually got recognized by OU's coaching staff for his efforts in winter workouts. I believe they gave him a chip or something. Yeah, Reggie Powers is just – I think he's a hard worker. I think he's a really darn good football player. I think he is going to be successful because he doesn't need the attention or hype, but he's going to kick your ass when he gets on the field. And for those reasons, exactly. like I just I'm really high on this guy, and I think it's not necessarily the ranking. It's just he has flown literally under the radar hundred percent agree
0: with you completely. Um, there's a lot of really good guys in the secondary in this class. Um, Reggie power, is certainly right up there uh, among them. Um, last one here. I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with Zion Raggins um, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of feels like with what Emmett Jones has done in the portal and the guys he has committed in 2025, which he has multiple um, that are, you know, attention grabbers. And then in 2024, it feels like it's kind of centered more around Zion Kearney, and rightfully so, a, uh, a guy who almost found his way into some of my picks here. Um, yeah, Zion Ragan's kind of a, a little bit forgotten, and let us not forget that this kid is outrageously fast. Um, he has mind-boggling speed. They went and pulled him out of the state of Georgia. He had a Georgia offer. They went and pulled him out of the state. He's a four-star composite guy. Um, also had another other big offers on a Florida State was in there too. Um, he just has a lot of natural ability. He's so speedy, and it just – you know, one of these guys that you just feel like you could see kind of really bursting onto the scene here before too long. I mean, again, Emma Jones has all these receivers coming in in this class and the next one, and he's putting crazy work in the portal. So they're low at this position, so it's easy to kind of fly under the radar a little bit right now at that, at that spot. But I feel like Zion Raggins, for whatever reason, maybe it's having the same name as Kearney or just – all the different guys they have coming in. I, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that I'm even guilty of, but kind of being like, oh, yeah, this guy is yeah. crazy athletic, crazy fast, has so much natural ability. I, I need to remember that he's coming and that he has a chance to make an impact before too long because he is uh, one that's a lot of fun. And whenever he did come in, we talked about on the show then, I looked at some highlights and stuff. I remember being like very, wow, look, look at this guy go. And so I almost as much for myself – as much as the listeners and viewers on the show. Remember Zion Raggins. Remember the name. Keep that in mind.
1: Put it in the tickler file uh, down the road. This guy's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's an excellent pick. And to close it out real quick, just a couple off-the-top honorable mentions of guys that I wanted to get in here. Nigel Smith was very close to making yep. uh, most excited I, I want to see because of him being the number one defensive end target on their board, and they got him, and he's going to play. Several different techs on the defensive line. Uh, Eli Bowen is one who I wanted to name for under the radar because Peyton Bowen was literally on everybody's radar. And Eli Bowen just, Uh I remember I pulled up to a high school football game and he just committed. And that was that. And so a couple of quick ones I want to throw out there as a a few honorable mention types. Andy Bass could have been named to a lot of these as well. I, I just... Yes. Can't wait to see what he does in Norman.
0: Yeah, Andy Bass, yeah, you're right. Um, He could have fallen into the excited just because he's just – I've never seen a more ripped quarterback, maybe a more ripped high school football player uh, ever. And another one, kind of like Xavier Robinson, I've had the pleasure of seeing him play a couple of times, and it was always just hilarious because it would just be a QB draw that he would just run through people and run for 80 yards and and a touchdown. You know, he is – He's a lot of fun, and it just feels like one of those guys that even though he was a quarterback and he's doing a position change, he's just a good enough football player that he'll find a way. He'll find a way to get on the field and make an impact. So, yeah, that's a good one to make sure we get in there.
1: He's a PWO for Oklahoma, and he's the highest grade three-star of an 89, Josh. Yeah. That is that is bananas. I've never seen anything like that before on the record. Like, just I can't wait to see what he becomes at Oklahoma because that's an awesome get. When we look at this class, the uh, trick play opportunities too with him are so Both. high, so
0: high. Cause the guy can throw it. He played quarterback at a really good program in Harrodsall. The guy can throw it. So, so high. Um, all right. That was fun. Hopefully people enjoyed that. Um, good way to kind of surmise the class and excited to see the vast majority of these guys in uh, just a little bit. Obviously they're doing winter workouts now, but most of these guys enrolled early. And so they'll be there in spring ball and we'll get a chance to see them and talk to <laughs> them and, the spring yeah. game here before you know it. So um, a lot of these guys, you don't have to wait that much longer to see what they look like in uniform. They got their numbers. Like I said, David Stone wearing zero. Great. Was it, is it Jaden Jackson or Nigel Smith that's also wearing a single digit? I think Nigel Smith maybe is wearing. Six. Six. Yeah. Okay. I remember um, single digit number
1: what? And Zion Kearney got seven, I believe, which is that, like.
0: That's good. That's a good, that's a good speedy number.
1: <laughs>
0: I like that. I think Xavier Robinson wearing 21. Good running back number. So good to good to see him. Good to see DeVon him. Vaughn
1: Mitchell got 84, but I really wanted to see him in an eighty-two jersey. That just felt like it felt like a perfect
0: fit. But felt like uh, it felt like a Gresham 18 might have been headed his way for me, but uh, didn't go yeah. that way. But 84 is a solid number. T D Lee, Lee Morris.
1: True. Caught a lot it, of touchdowns. He's gonna get he's gonna get a lot of balls thrown his way in the end zone. So I guess yeah. that's,
0: the, that's true. That's really hey, true. plus
1: T D Lee, man, Allen High School. That
0: that's guy. true, that's true. Good connection there, back to the Kyler Murray days. Um, all right, so some other recruiting stuff here. Yeah, <laughs> back on schedule. So uh, a few other recruiting little note notes no, notes and nuggets uh, here, and then uh, we'll do a, a little dash of hoops uh, on the way out here. We talked about Ryan Foji a little bit on the Tuesday show. Want to get your input though, um, if you missed it three-star offensive tackle from Cypress, Texas, committed to Oklahoma earlier this week. Um, just how did it come together for you, you know, from what you've heard, Colin, and and your eval, what, what you kind of make of him in terms of fitting in, you know, down the road for Oklahoma? What, do, what kind of a get is this for 2025 in your uh, estimation?
1: Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma was the first to offer Ryan Foji, and he committed kind of just like, all right, I'm good. Like, if you'll have me. I'm I'm ready to commit. And they took yeah. him. And I, I don't want to call it a surprise, but it was a welcomed addition uh from that weekend. And, and I'll get into that a little bit more as to why. But when you look at him as a player, I went down there to see him and Jonte Newman, who are two of the best offensive tackles and a loaded 2025 offensive line cycle in the state of Texas. I know I talk about it a lot, but just the, the front-line talent in the Lone Star State along the offensive line across the state uh, is ridiculous in 2025. And, and Ryan Foji is part of that. He is a highest-graded three-star of an 89 currently. That's an early assignment. So I think yeah. this is definitely a guy who's going to climb in a four-star territory. And for several reasons. You look at the build. I, I did a little scouting report on the site, so I would welcome subscribers. Or if you want to be a subscriber, go ahead and sign up. To go check that out, but basically, incredibly projectable frame. And when I went to go see Ryan, I was like, "Man, that's that's an offensive tackle right there." Him and him and Jonte have incredible builds for young offensive linemen. Now, Jonte, I think could kick inside a little bit easier as well. Foji to me is strictly a tackle, but Oklahoma probably took him saying that is as tackle of a tackle as you're going to get. It. Long arms, well-built at 275. He's got a little bit of muscle to him. I like the base, but not necessarily all that filled out up top. And that's what you want. You want to build him up more than you want to melt him down in today's college football. But at the end of it all, when the ball is snapped, Josh, this is one of my first takeaways when I'm watching him in person. And obviously, you can watch the tape. In person, I was like, man, this is – a far more refined pass protector than you're supposed to be as a true junior in high school. Like, it, the first quarter or so, I couldn't stop watching him because of how good he was in pass protection. And he, he was up against Cy Ranch, which is a really quality program down there in that district area mm. of, like, North Houston. And they have this defensive lineman there a pretty solid player. And I believe he was kind of going back and forth between facing Foji and Newman. And I would say both those guys got the better of that talented edge rusher at Cy Ranch. And Foji, just like, I love, he, he hardly ever oversets. But he can meet you on the perimeter if you're an edge speed rusher. He can hold his own inside against bigger guys. I think he's really quality in the tackle pole action. I would like to see him in an offense that would utilize him that way, and I think Oklahoma will. And overall, like, he's probably someone who is a little bit more advanced of a player in certain areas that typically you're not supposed to be as advanced as at his age. And then the frame is just awesome. And so I think Oklahoma got themselves a player that they were on right away for good reason. I think he can play left tackle. I think he can play right tackle, which he does at Bridgeland High. And he's a really good kid too. And that checks a box for Oklahoma as well. I just, again, full scouting report for me is on the side. I just, I really like to get, and Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what he becomes later down the line. Because, again, I think this guy's ranking is going to go up. Yeah,
0: no, we talked about that on on Tuesday, just in terms of, like you said, he's an 89. Um, Very high chance or good chance. I I guess I should say that he'll be a four-star before it's said and done, you know, because a lot of people... Jump at the, you know, an, oh, another three star. This kid, it, it's early. It's very early. He's 89. He's, he's going to probably get there uh, before it's all said and done. Comes off the junior day, you know, weekend. We talked about it last week. You know, they had all this momentum coming off of last weekend. They followed that up with another one this past weekend. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a little little touching base in terms of how are things kind of moving positively uh, for Oklahoma coming off of, you know, the second junior day weekend If they had the. The star studded one the week before. What was kind of the uh, sentiment you got coming out of this past weekend where more guys, uh, you know, made their way down in Norman for, uh, you know, a big uh, kind of visit party weekend there?
1: Yeah, so why I said earlier that Foji might be, quote-unquote, like a surprise addition is off of that first Junior Day weekend, like you mentioned, that was the heavy hitter one. It had headliner types left and right, priority targets that had been on OU's board for a long time. OU was in – Solid position with a lot of them as well, which I think is important to note. And why I mention all of that: the following weekend, which was this past weekend's the the junior day that we're now discussing. I think Oklahoma went from all right, we're going to have a ton of guys on campus that we feel really good about, and it, I, I, it's obviously going to generate headlines left and right. This past weekend's fans were like, all right, now what? because of all the action that happened from that first one. And I'm here to tell you, and I think i told a few of our subscribers, I was like, look, Foji committing was the best you were going to get, period. A lot of those dudes yeah. on campus in Norman the following weekend, which is obviously this junior day, again, that we're discussing here. A lot of those dudes compared to the other junior day, these guys that were there in Norman really just were there to kind of get to know the program I, A lot of these dudes, and I literally noted it time and again in our visit lists and all that. I was like, look, there are a lot of players that you see on this list who are highly ranked players or impressive talents, but you may not have ever heard their names before in your life. And there's a reason for that. They had guys from Arizona, Georgia, the Midwest, that they had some ground to cover or they needed to build familiarity with. And there were a couple of guys – that they tried to get on campus that couldn't make it, or there were a couple guys that were set to be on the visit list that didn't make it as well. So, yeah, like, it's it's one of those that it's tough because off the first Junior Day weekend with all those talented players that they were in really solid position with, that kind of creates this false norm. Mm. But the flip side of the coin, because there's always another side, sometimes you have recruiting events to just get to know guys and have them get to know you. And so Ryan Foji committing was a surprise because he was probably one of the several other names that OU maybe had to just try and cover some ground with. I mean, Foji was like at Texas's Junior Day the weekend before. And it was like, you know (laughs) – I don't know. And so, yeah, man, it it was – it's one that I think a lot of people are, like, on the edge of their seats waiting to see what came of that weekend. But, folks, sometimes the bottom line is you just got to start somewhere. And I think this past junior day, whether it's, like, a a Cooper Perry, who's a four-star wide receiver from Arizona, the number one ranked player out there in Arizona, to Elijah Barnes in Dallas at Skyline High – Isaiah Gibson, the edge rusher in Georgia. You just wanted to get them an opportunity to get to know you a little bit more. And that's probably all you were gonna ask of yeah. of the weekend.
0: The lesson here is to become a VIP subscriber. Um yeah. I'm about twenty four seven sports.com. Sooners illustrated. Colin's been all over it. Um, busy time, you know, obviously. Um, on the recruiting side, there's big visit weekends. They just got commitment. Collins had a few crystal balls in. We'll talk about that last week. So more movement likely to come, um, over the next couple of months or so. Um, and when it work, out intel. lots of other great stuff on the side. So again, VIP subscriber, Oklahoma at that 24, seven sports.com place to be right now for all of, uh, CK's Intel and input. Do want to, uh, wrap up the show here with a little bit of hoops. We've gone a little bit long, so I won't go real long here, but, um, BYU on Tuesday night, talked about it on the Tuesday show. We bumped the show back to Tuesday. Needed that game really bad. Um, the the weekend in Orlando went very poorly, especially in the offensive end for Oklahoma. They came back, they put up 82 on BYU. And JV McCollum played really well, scored 20 points. They got a huge bounce back game from a low Susan, which they really needed. Um, early in that game, you know, I... I I'm on the baseline shooting some highlights, and Lowe's missed an open three. And then he had another look later. He was open, and he kind of looked at it, but he hesitated and ended up passing it off. And that next time out, J.V. McCullum, I watched him, came up to him, looked him right in the eye and said, shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. Like, we, you're one of our guys. You're open. you got to shoot the ball. And almost literally the next possession down, he had another open look. He fired away. He hit it. And it just seemed like after that, he was back to being himself. He had a great game, probably the best look who's game in a while, and they needed it. Him and McCollum both played very well in the backcourt. Rivaldo Suarez continues to be great off the bench for Oklahoma. He's been just just tremendous off the bench really all year, but especially in Big 12 play. They have leaned on him heavily, and he was really good again uh, on Tuesday. They really need that win. They got it. That's actually their best win, like, metrically of the season. It's a quad one win. BYU was number seven in the net coming in. We talked about that on Tuesday. So that's a really big win, and uh, they needed it bad. They're in great shape for the tournament. We talked about the beginning of the year, probably needed seven, eight wins or so in the Big 12 to get to the tournament. They're already at five. You know, you know you're know, you just past the halfway point. So you're in pretty good shape for the tournament. Oklahoma State this weekend, Bedlam, Oklahoma State is not good. They're in last place. Mike Boynton has had Porter Moser's number. This is the time. This is the time to uh, to rectify that because Oklahoma State is struggling. Houston absolutely hammered them the other night, um, and OU's coming off a big win. They're going to be at home. It's Supposed to be a, a big crowd. At the LNC, I think they said it was sold out, actually. So should be a great atmosphere. And you just got to hope to build on it, you know, Colin. Obviously, like we said, you know, kind of yesterday, the, the schedule toughens up. You got Baylor and Kansas next week, so got a big win. You got Oklahoma State coming. You need to take advantage and try to ride that into uh, some big games coming up. But they really needed that on Tuesday. That was a good bounce-back win. And uh, as Porter Moser said post game, they, they did it for Toby Keith. on Tuesday, you know, passed away. They held us. you know, Mona of silence for him pregame. They had his guitar and his hat in his spot, which was really cool. And then they went out there and they won for him. So uh, a pretty cool night at the LNC. And they'll look to build on it and carry that into Bedlam this weekend.
1: Red Solo Cups. This weekend,
0: right? Yeah, that's, that's the rumor. I don't know if that's official or not, but that's the word on the street. That they're going to sell uh, drinks and
1: red solo cups, which is pretty pretty cool. I love that, man. I just, you know, rest yeah. in peace to Toby Keith, obviously. Pay my respects. But that would be another really cool way to add a layer to Bedlam and pay respects to one of the greatest. Um, last thing I'll say, what's the record again that they they have between Oklahoma State and Texas right now? Under poor Moses. one and
0: nine, I think it is.
1: <laughs> Man, you better win. You better win.
0: One and nine, I think. It, I believe. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm certain that it's one and nine. It's zero and five against Texas. One and four against Oklahoma State. So, yeah, they ever they go to Austin in the regular season finale. You're gonna have another chance, but uh, yeah, this is the time. The Oklahoma State swept him last year. This is this is the time. They swept him in three games also last year. They beat him both regular season and optimized the Big 12 tournament. So on a major skid against the Pokes. And uh it's
1: been a rough year in Stillwater. So now's <laughs> the time. Well, hey, shout out real quick to everyone who already bought a ticket, man. That's cool to hear that it's sold out. I that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Tom I'll be there at the LNC. Should be fun. Always is for Bedlam. Um it, it's not quite like football where there's this finality of it, because it feels like there's room for Bellin to continue in the other sports. Um, but it's not a given. So who knows You know, the next time Oklahoma State goes to the Noble Center after this weekend. So um, good to see fans are coming out for it because, you know, who knows? I I don't know. I mean, who, what that, what that's going to look like, you know, moving forward. They're probably going to play once a year, right? I mean, they're not going to be able to play twice in the non-con. And they may play that – they may go back and forth. They may neutral side it. You know, they may not play at all. I mean, who knows? So if this is the last time they come to Norman for a while, a little, you know, good to see it being sent off with a, a big crowd and, you know, some excitement around it. So, look forward mm-hmm. to that this weekend. Again, Tom and I will be there to so keep up coverage on the site. Tom will be all over it. And then uh, YouTube channel Porter Moser, player reaction to follow um, from the Lloyd Noble Center. I think that's it. Fun show. Hopefully people mm-hmm. enjoy the superlatives and a good way to wrap up the class, good recruiting news. And uh, we look forward to the weekend for hoops. Like we said, Bedlam coming up. We'll be back on Monday, the plan. Wrap up the weekend for OU basketball. Um, also, OU softball got their season started today. James Jackson covering the softball team for us. So be sure to keep up with his coverage throughout the year. OU baseball media day was yesterday. You Can watch those press conferences on the YouTube channel right now. I plan to do a little, at least a little preview on the Monday show. So tune in for that as we get ready for the start of baseball season next week. Feels feels really good. Uh, get that spring spring vibes and. The Women's lane. basketball,
1: too, right? Got seventh straight win or something like that? Yeah, they that.
0: knocked off TCU last night. A good call, good call. Seventh straight Big 12 win. They're 10-1 and one in the Big 12, which it's like every single show. It, it I say the same thing because I just it, it's startling. They turn around and they just continue to win. Um, it is pretty amazing. So another win for them last night. Good catch. 10-1 uh, and one in the Big 12. First place. All alone in first place. In the Big 12. Pretty amazing. So, a lot to be excited about in OU Sports right now. And uh, be sure to come aboard the site, VIP subscriber, get all the intel from all the sports, VIP analysis, things like that. And then, of course, the podcast, we're continuing to break it down, has moved through February, home stretch of basketball season, spring football coming up. Good times are uh, on the horizon here. So, hopefully, you join aboard with us on the site and on the podcast. All right. That's it. We'll see you on Monday. Tom Green James Jackson will join me then for
1: Colin Candy. I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys next time on the Sooners Illustrated podcast.